Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. I hope your Game Week 1 tinkering is going well, and I hope this podcast helps you with that over the coming days and weeks. Before I get into the episode, I just want to mention that Fantasy Football Scout have a 30% pre-season discount at the moment. There's a link to get that in the show notes of this episode, so take advantage of that while you can. Lots of great tools to help you have a successful FPL season. Today's episode is a Game Week 1 watch list. I've put a list together of 40 players which I'm considering for my Game Week 1 squads. Also going to reveal my latest draft which is draft number 2. I haven't really tinkered too much yet because I still feel it's quite early so I have made a few changes since the day of launch so I'll let you know where my thinking is at right now and then I will take some questions from social media. So getting into the watch list, the watch list will be a feature of the podcast throughout the season. For new listeners, in each Monday episode, I add players to the watch list and I remove players following the weekend's action. So here is the initial 40-player watch list. And long-term listeners will know I don't bother keeping goalkeepers on the watch list because it's a position that doesn't change very often. I don't tend to keep them on the watch list during pre-season either. The goalkeeper position for me... It's probably going to be the last decision I make this year because there's still a lot up in the air. As a Manchester United fan, I'm hoping Onana joins. I'm hoping he comes in at 5 million in FPL to give us another option. Waiting to see if David Raya leaves Brentford because I quite like Flecking as an option if that does happen. So goalkeepers I'm just kind of ignoring for the moments and I won't be covering them on today's episode. But plenty more goalkeeper chat in future episodes once we've got all the information that we need. On the watch list, it's made up of 16 defenders, 16 midfielders and 8 forwards. So quite a nice spread. That wasn't intentional, that kind of just happened naturally. So there's plenty of good options across all three positions. Starting with the defenders, this goes in order of price rather than order of preference. Trent Alexander-Arnold, one of the first names on the watch list. He has been in both of my first drafts. Um, haven't made a team without him yet. I'm seeing a lot of, actually a lot of content creators and a lot of managers that I respect are posting teams without him. They're, they they like what they can do with the cash saving. So I think as the weeks go on, I probably will make a team or two without him to see how it feels as well because 
Obviously, the next defender down, you can save one and a half, two million, even two and a half million if you don't go with a Trent, if you go for a Chilwell or a James or a Shaw, for example. So that will be something I explore. But at the moment, he's been in both drafts. And I think I'm probably around 70, 80% to start with him in game week one. Also on the defenders watch list is Kieran Trippier. Newcastle don't have great fixtures to begin with. Looking at the scout fixture ticker, they're near the bottom, I think, for the first four, possibly even the first eight game weeks. He's got a price rise to 6.5, so he's not as attractive to begin with. I remember having him game week one last season. He only cost 5 million, and he went on to be a super asset for the first half of the campaign. But I'm not going to definitely say no, because he's a differential, and we know what he's capable of FPL-wise, and he could trump the fixtures. Even if there's not too many clean sheets, there could be some attack and returns in there. So Trippier is in my thoughts, but at the moment, probably unlikely to make it for the opening game week. Next up is the Chelsea boys, Rhys James and Ben Chilwell. Very much in my thoughts, but when it comes to Chelsea, I don't think I've got any in my latest draft. And Kunku was in my first draft, he's not in my second draft. And I haven't had James or Chilwell in either Tinker. Now, as I've said in previous podcasts, we'll probably get to the final week before the season starts. I'll get tempted. I'll see James and Chilwell in other drafts. I'll start to get some FOMO. I'll start thinking about what they're capable of, what they've done in the past. But I think I'll probably end up staying strong, give Chelsea a watch and brief across all positions for the first couple of game weeks, and then decide where the best place to invest is because I mean if if one of their 4.5 million defenders becomes a solid option that might be where I go instead of a James or a Chilwell but going to keep them on the watch list not going to rule them out but again my kind of safe style at the start of the season not taking too many risks I probably will avoid Chelsea assets next up is Luke Shaw he is in my latest draft and to me he's a very much an FPL general pick when you compare him to players like James and Chilwell. You know what you're going to get, you're going to get minutes, you're going to get good fitness, you're just going to get a steady Eddie who ticks along quite nicely, you don't have to worry about rotation. So Luke Shaw, attractive fixtures to start the season as well so he's got a very good chance of making it in. I've also got a couple of Manchester City defenders on the watch list. John Stones and Nathan Ake. Stones is 5.5. Ake is a little bit cheaper at 5 million. I think Ake interests me most. He was a big favourite of Pep Guardiola last season. Hopefully that's the case again this season. Got a decent amount of goal threat when he goes forward for set pieces. And I, John Stones, you know, attractive because he's been kind of slightly playing out of position in recent times. But his injury record is is not good. So that really kind of puts me off there. So I think if I take a gamble on a Manchester City defender, it's probably going to be Ake. Save myself the 0.5 million on Stones. But of course, we need to wait and see if Guardiol signs because that could muddy the waters even more in the Manchester City defence. Also on the watch list, two options from Arsenal. Gabriel, the centre-back. I think it's underpriced, and Zinchenko at 5 million, also the left back. In particular, a lot of talk that Kieran Tierney could leave Arsenal. As a Celtic fan, I've seen a few rumours linking him back. That would be the dream. Um, even if Tierney doesn't leave, I think Zinchenko will be a good FPL pick. We've seen before he performs very well in the bonus. Again, injury slightly concerns me because he missed large chunks of last season due to those reasons. Gabriel, pretty safe, I would think, in that backline. And Gabriel's underlying numbers for goal threat last season were among the best in the league. 
among defenders. So I think I'm leaning towards Gabriel, nice and safe, no worries about rotation. And at 5 million, I just think he's a really, really good pick. Gabriel is also in my latest draft. I think he's been in both drafts, so that tells you there's a very good chance he will stay there once I make my final draft. Elsewhere among the defenders, I've got my eye on is Stupinen. On my first draft, I don't think he's in my second one. Something I think I will explore. Both of my tinkers so far have been 3-5-2 formations, but I'm open to a 4-4-2 as well. I've seen quite a few 4-4-2s popping up on Twitter and threads and stuff that I like the look of. So I will make a few drafts over the next few weeks with a 4-4-2. And if that is the case, someone like an Estupinen could come in to join the others. Good fixtures to begin with, in particular looking at home in game week one. We know what he can do from last season. A very exciting player to own in fantasy. Sven Botman, 4.5 to me. I think he is the standout 4.5 option. Um, very good chance he'll be my fourth defender as my first sub when the season starts. Elsewhere at 4.5, you've got Pedro Porro. No, I'm wrong. I think he might be 5 million. You've got Pedro Porro at Tottenham. Again, I don't foresee too many clean sheets at Spurs, initially at least. Porro, we know, has got a lot of uh, attacking potential, can take set pieces, very good from open play. Got an eye for goal. So hopefully he does become a very attractive FPL option. But I don't think we need to go there to begin with. Elsewhere, Matty Cash is only 4.5. Some suggestions that Konsa can play right back. So that's slightly concerning. Maybe they'll sign another right back as well. Ashley, Ashley Young has left. Matty Cash didn't get as much game time under Emery as I thought he would, but that could change the season. And we know he's a good player. He's got some attacking potential there also. Although Moreno on the other side for 0.5 more. Um, again, the only reason I didn't add him to the watch is because he's currently yellow flagged. So, so need some more information on that. And if he is fit for the start of the season, Moreno probably will join my watch list. And I probably do prefer spending 0.5 more on Moreno over cash just for that certainty. I know Luca Dean is there, but Moreno is, I think he's streets ahead of him um, in terms of a player under Emery. Very, very impressive towards the end of last season. But keep an eye on cash because he could be underpriced at 4.5 if he gets regular starts. And then making up the defenders watch list is the three 4.0 million defenders who all start with B. You've got Bayer at Burnley. Bell at Luton and Baldock at Sheffield United. At the moment, all three look like starters. Bayer looks the safest. Bell is probably next in line and Baldock will hopefully be a starter as well. So I've got Bayer as my fifth defender in my latest draft. So that is the 16 defenders that I'm shopping around in when I'm trying to build a squad for game week one. Moving on to the 16 midfielders now. Again, this is an order of price. First up, Mohamed Salah, 12.5 million. The king of FPL over the last four, five, six seasons. Hasn't been in either of my drafts so far. He's, his ownership is, I think it's around 25, 26%, which is extremely low. If you look back on his historical percentages in game week one in previous seasons, compare compare that to Mr. Erling Haaland, his ownership is something like 86 or 87%. And that will probably just keep rising over the next couple of game weeks. So Salah, to fit him in alongside Haaland is not easy. It is possible. And again, fitting Trent in alongside both of them is even more tricky. But it is doable. But I don't think it's the best use of budget. So at the moment, I'm very much leaning towards definitely going Haaland. 
Very good chance I'm going to go Trent. So that means I'm probably going to sacrifice Mohamed Salah and spread the, spread the cash saving around the squad. Does that make me feel fantastic? No, especially if Salah does well in game week one and then he's got Bournemouth in game week two. It just shows you FPL is well and truly back and I'm spending too much time thinking about it already when I genuinely had a nightmare last night that Mohamed Salah scored two goals and he got two assists in game week one. And I just remember in my dream, or I should say nightmare, Erling Haaland had a two-pointer in game week one. So read into that what you will, but that has certainly filled me with fear. Maybe it's a sign that I need to make a draft with Salah. And I certainly will make a draft with Salah and Haaland, and maybe Trent will come out of that draft. I'll see how it feels. Again, nothing is set in stone just yet. I think the only thing I would say is Haaland is set in stone, and maybe Saka. But apart from that, everything else is up for grabs. Elsewhere on the midfielders, I've got Hyungman's son at 9 million, and I've also got his teammate Madison at 7.5. Richarlison's not on the watch list, but he definitely will be if Harry Kane leaves. So that's one I'm just keeping a close eye on because if Kane does leave, if Tottenham don't sign a striker, Richarlison could become a fantastic FPL pick out of position underpriced. My first draft had Hyungman's son, my second draft didn't, and I had Madison instead. I do like that 1.5 million saving. You can do a lot with that. You can, you know, basically upgrade three positions with the 1.5 million saving. So at this stage, I think I would say I'm unlikely to start the season with a Tottenham player, but if I am going to start with one most likely as Madison because of his price and what it allows in other positions. But I certainly do like Son and Madison as picks, and I hope both of them. I hope we're both, you know, kind of striving to have both players at some point in the season, and that Tottenham have a good one. Moving on to Arsenal midfielders, Saka, who I mentioned is almost a definite in my gaming one squad. He was as soon as the prices came out because. 8.5 to me, he could have been 9, he could have been 9.5 and I still would have been considering. Good to see him scoring in the first Arsenal preseason game. Nice bit of confirmation bias there. Hopefully he saves a few of them for the actual Premier League games. I've also added Odegaard and Martinelli to the watch list. I don't see myself going for a double up, but I'm not going to completely rule out Odegaard and Martinelli either. I'll do a bit more of a deep dive into the stats, maybe go back and look at some of the games towards last se- towards the end of last season just to confirm that it definitely is Saka that I want and I don't want to save 0.5 and go Martinelli instead but very much I'm a Saka man he's been brilliant for me last season I'm a sucker for penalty takers so very much leaning towards Saka over Odegaard and Martinelli but I'm sure at some point in the season I might be looking towards a midfield double up Moving on to Manchester United, Rashford and Bruno Fernandes are on the watch list. My preference here is Rashford, if I can free up 0.5 million from somewhere. I think I tried it on for size this week, Rashford and Bruno in the midfield, and I think it looks good, it feels good, the fixtures are good. Both, I think, are really good FPL picks. So I think as the weeks go on, as we get closer to the season, I think we're probably going to see a lot of teams with Rashford and Bruno rather than trying to decide which one to go for. Both great picks. If you are building your team and you've only got 8.5 million left and you can't afford Rashford, Bruno Fernandes is a great alternative. So I think there's a decent chance I will end up on a United triple up. Luke Shaw, 
Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes by the time we get to game week one. On to Manchester City midfielders. Phil Foden interests me a lot. If we get to Pep's press conference on the Friday of game week one, if he rules Kevin De Bruyne out, if they haven't signed any new midfielders, Gundogan is gone. Less rotation for players like Foden at 7.5 million. I am very open to a gamble on a Manchester City attacker because most of us are going to have Haaland's most of us are going to captain Haaland, so you don't benefit from the Manchester City attack. So I like the idea of getting a second attacker. And Foden interests me the most at this moment in time. I've got Grealish on the watch list as well. He's good for minutes, but he's never really been a fantastic FPL pick. In particular at Manchester City, I think he probably was better in his later days at Aston Villa. But he hasn't really... You know, fantastic player, always looks great on the pitch, but he's not a fantastic FPL pick. But hopefully that changes this season. So I haven't really out Grealish game week one either. But I think if I was picking a team right now, I would take a gamble on Phil Foden. Madison, I mentioned, he's on there with Youngman's son. Raheem Sterling at Chelsea. Big price drop, down to 7 million. But again, like Chilwell and Rhys James, I'm probably just going to wait and see with Chelsea. It's tempting because he's only 7 but these are the kind of players I feel like, yes, they could be great, but you don't need to be the first manager who owns them. Let's let's see if they're going to be good picks first, and then we can always use our transfers to get there. So Sterling on the watch list, uh, but unlikely to make the game at one squad. I've also got Jared Bowen from West Ham on the watch list. He was fantastic two seasons back, not as productive last season, but he is a proven FPL prospect. He's got decent fixtures to begin with. He's my kind of player in game week one, kind of a safe pick. I know what I'm getting. I know what I could get, I should say, and it's kind of a placeholder for someone else, maybe who I want to just take a watch and brief on, maybe a, a, a Madison at Tottenham or a Sterling at Chelsea. So I kind of like the idea of starting with a Bowen, nice kind of safe, another safe steady Eddie like Luke Shaw, and then maybe moving off him after three or four weeks with more information. So Bowen actually has a decent chance of making my squad, and I haven't seen him in too many others. Getting down to the 6.5 price bracket, you've got Mbumo and Matoma. I've also got Eze from Crystal Palace here. And just at 0.5 less, you've got Gibbs White at Nottingham Forest as well. So Mbumo's ownership is high already. He's in a lot of teams I'm seeing on social media. I'm hearing him mention on a lot of podcasts. I'm not feeling it. I think my issue with Mbumo is I was there before, a couple of seasons ago, when he hit the post, he hit the woodwork about seven times uh, in about six game weeks. So I'm slightly scarred by those you know, I remember his poor finishing back then, but obviously that's improved because he got nine goals last season, and hopefully he kicks on and gets even more this year. So I think it's going to take me, it's going to take me all summer and all of preseason to come around to the idea of picking Mbumo. And at this moment in time, he is not in my latest draft. He was in my first draft mainly because I've seen him in every other draft, but in my second one, I've taken him out, and I've got Matoma in there instead. Matoma's been in both drafts. But again, I don't want to fall into the trap of just picking him because I had good times with him last season. You know, it doesn't mean he's going to have a good season this year. I'm a little bit fearful of Brighton picks this year because they've got Europe. They've got lots of options. You know, Joe Pedro's there now as well. Could be lots of rotation. You know, and Ciso probably going to get some more game time. So Matoma might not be, you know, the 90-minute man that he was for large parts of last season. We've got to remember too, he did tail off. He didn't, he wasn't good all through the second half of the campaign. So I really want to, 
question myself when I, when I get closer to the season starting. If Matoma is still in my drafts, question myself, do I really want to go there or am I just putting too much weight on last season? Eze's on the watch list as well, but I feel like he's a player who might come off the watch list before the season starts. Don't really see myself going there over, I rate Matoma higher and I rate Mbumo higher when it comes to the 6.5 million price bracket. But I just want to add him in there because I do think he's a decent option and could be the talisman at Crystal Palace, especially if Wilfred Zaha leaves. And Gibbs White as well, he's the only 6 million option I've got here. I don't really like any options under 6.5 in the midfield bracket. I probably won't have a 6 million midfielder, but if I was forced to go there, Gibbs White had a very good season last year. And again, he's probably only going to get better as he gets older um, and Nottingham Forest hopefully you know, establishes themselves a bit in the Premier League now as well and could have a good season. So yeah, Gibbs White is on the watch list. But again, like Eze, both players will probably drop off the watch list between now and game week one. So that's the midfielders rounded up. Next up, we have eight forwards that I'm keeping an eye on. Haaland, obviously, on the watch list and definitely in my gimmick one squad. Harry Kane is there also, keeping a close eye on his transfer situation. If he stays, he's obviously an option, but very unlikely to be in because if it's a question of do I shoehorn Salah in or do I shoehorn Kane in, it's going to be Salah. Um, I just like having a premium midfielder and a premium forward as opposed to having two premium forwards, which makes things a little bit tricky if you want to shake it up and move cash into midfield later. So Salah, for me, is ahead of Harry Kane in the pecking order, which he was for large parts of last season, and maybe he shouldn't have been because Kane was so consistent. So you certainly don't rule Kane out if he does stay at Tottenham. Gabriel Jesus and Ollie Watkins are the two 8 million forwards on the watch list my first draft had 7.5 million in Kunku who is also on my watch list but I feel like I'm gonna spend 0.5 more and get either Jesus or Watkins again I like the price point at 8 million you can get Jesus or Watkins and if Kunku does perform well you can quite easily jump off and downgrade in terms of price at the moment Gabriel Jesus is in my latest draft I really like triple arsenal you know, second best team in the league last season. Really good fixtures to begin the campaign. So I'm looking at Gabriel, Saka and Jesus in my second draft. Watkins certainly has a very good chance of making it in as well. Again, my kind of player, steady Eddie, nothing spectacular, but ticks along very nicely. I think it was 15 goals last season. So really, really productive numbers. And Kunku's there. But again, like the others mentioned from Chelsea, we'll probably give him a watch and brief for the first few weeks and then decide whether he's worthy of investment. Elsewhere, when it comes to forwards, Mitrovic, who has probably been overlooked by a lot of managers. I feel like, I think there's a question on him later, so I'll come back to him. But at 7.5 million, initially I thought, yeah, too expensive. But this guy knows how to score goals, prove an FPL asset, so I don't want to ignore him when I'm building my Game Week 1 squad. And he is in the mix for selection. The issue is I think they play Arsenal and City both away in the first four game weeks of the season. But again, don't rule Mitrovic out because we know what he can do. We just need him to behave himself on the pitch. That's the main thing. Making up the forwards on the watch list is Gakpo at Liverpool and Calvert-Lewin at Everton. Had a few questions from people as to why Darwin Nunes wasn't on the watch list alongside Gakpo. 
Uh, I just, in my mind at the moment and from last season, Gakpo is ahead of Darwin in the Liverpool team and in my thinking as a player and an FPL prospect. I need to see some consistency from Darwin Nunes, consistency of starts, consistency of actually converting the good chances that he gets before I pick him. But good to see him get the number nine shirt. Hopefully that's all he needs to start hitting the back of the net. So again, unlikely to go Gakpo to begin with. But if I am going to buy a Liverpool forward, it would be him over Darwin. If Darwin has a good preseason, obviously he will get added to the watch list as well. But he's not there just yet. Calvert Lewin, to me, is the standout six million option. If he is fit, he could be extremely underpriced. I think he might have been eight million previously, so a two million price drop. Again, it's all about fitness. I think he's only played has he only played about fourteen games in each of the last two seasons. Obviously, huge fitness problems over the last two years but hopefully he can put those behind him have a good rest in the summer have a good preseason, and come back and not be plagued by those injuries because we know how good he is you know he's an England forward in his you know when he's on it he's good enough to be in that England squad and certainly at six million in FPL it would be very very useful if he becomes an option because then we can spend more in defense and in midfield also so a couple of things I'm going to be watching very closely in preseason. one is the Chelsea boys and another one is Calvert-Lewin um not so much as performances. I don't care if he scores zero goals in preseason. I want to see a few ninety minutes in preseason. Uh, no, you know, no niggling issues for the Everton striker. So that is the forty-player watch list rounded up for game week one. I will update this watch list again, maybe the week before the season starts. There'll probably still be about you know thirty to thirty-five players on it. Some will drop off. A few new players will get added, but you will get an update on this watch list the week before the season starts next section of the podcast is my latest draft like I mentioned earlier this is draft number two I don't tend to do much tinkering during pre-season I tend to try and leave about a week between visiting the FPL website and when I go back again I like to pick a team let it ferment think about it listen to podcasts read some content I don't go deep diving too much but I do like to kind of let my kind of thoughts formulate in the background rather than being on the FPL website every day I think that is not a good idea I think one of the best tips I give people in preseason is to spend as little time on the FPL website as possible until the final week before the season starts. So my latest draft, like my first draft, is a 3-5-2 formation. But as mentioned earlier, I will be exploring other formations in future drafts, 4-4-2 in particular. I've seen a few 4-5-1s popping about with just Haaland up front, but I don't like that because the bench is too weak when you've got two 4.5 million forwards. Obviously, you could spend a bit more on one of those benched forwards, but I'm not too keen on a 4-5-1 because it's quite inflexible. So the latest draft has a 4.5 million goalkeeper. It's got Sam Johnston from Crystal Palace. But that's very much a placeholder, not giving goalkeepers too much thought until the season starts or you know a couple of days before. I'm very likely to go for a 4.5 option. A previous podcast I mentioned that like Ramsdale, but the more I think about it, I think I'll go Gabriel in defence instead of Ramsdale, and then just save the money by getting a 4.5 million goalkeeper. That could be Pickford, could be Leno, could be Johnston, could be Flecken, could be someone who's not even in the league yet, could be Varbruggen at Brighton. So more information required on the goalkeeper position. And I guess if Onana does come in at 5 million, I'll need to give him some thought as well. The backup goalkeeper is Ariola from West Ham at 4 million. Decent chance at some point in the season that he'll get some game time. So he is the standout 4 million option. The back three is Trent, 
Gabriel and Luke Shaw and to me that just is a very typical FPL general defence very straightforward nothing fancy no concerns and then on the bench Botman would be the first sub and I've got Bayer from Burnley there also so again very good chance that is my defence for game week one Trent, Gabriel and Luke Shaw although the Shaw position is probably up for grabs I think Gabriel and Trent are very very likely to stay and Botman's very likely to stay as well unless I go for a 4-4-2 formation in which case I would upgrade them midfield 5 Saka who's basically locked in Bruno Fernandes, James Madison, Jared Bowen and Mitoma. So just one 6.5 million midfielder in Mitoma. Not overly keen on going for two 6.5s in Mbumo and Mitoma. Like I said, I'm not feeling the love for Mbumo as much as other people are. Maybe I will by the time we get to August. But I kind of like the idea of going against Mbumo with someone like a Jared Bowen for the first couple of game weeks. Bowen, a bit of a placeholder hopefully get some points and then move on to someone possibly like a Sterling if Sterling is getting lots of minutes. Madison is there, could start the season with him. He is a proven asset, which kind of ticks my box for pre uh, give me one picks. But again, like Chelsea, I might let Tottenham just play out the first few weeks and then decide if Madison is worth investment. Bruno Fernandes is there, would prefer Rashford, but 0.0 in the bank for this one. And again, like I said, I'll probably make a few drafts with Bruno and Rashford in it. So at the moment, Saka, Bruno, Madison, Bowen, Matoma. Up front, Erling Haaland, Gabriel Jesus. And then it'll be a 4.5 million option on the bench, which doesn't really matter too much yet to be decided. I've got Sims at the moment from Everton. Uh, he's gone from the game now. I think he's gone to Coventry. But again, I'll probably end up on Plange like I did last season because I like his name. Uh, and I, I feel loyal to the guy when he was in my game week one squad last season. So Johnston, Trent, Gabriel Shaw, Saka, Bruno, Madison, Bowen, Matoma, Haaland, Jesus, and then on the bench, Botman, Bayer, Sims and Ariola. Made a couple of bullet points here in terms of what I might look to do with my next draft. Could drop Botman to a 4.0. One of the guys I mentioned to go for two 4.0s on the bench and that would allow me to upgrade Bruno to Rashford. I think I am open to the idea of two 4 million defenders on the bench. If we do have Bayer, Bell and Baldock, when we get closer to the season, if it looks like all three are going to be regular starters, I will be open to going for two of them on the bench and get that extra 0.5 on the pitch. What I could also do to free up some cash, I could go Stupinen instead of Luke Shaw. I'm quite open to that. Or a Manchester City defender. Ake could go into that Luke Shaw spot. Again, that would free up 0.5. Big question I have, is it definitely no Salah? Or will there be a chance that he makes it? Again, I've noted down here, it won't, I won't be able to get the Salah in game week two easily if I don't go there in game week one. So I will be making a Salah draft and see how it feels. But at the moment, I'm leaning towards no Salah. Elsewhere, I've said I could go in Bumo instead of Bowen, which also frees up 0.5. I could go for a Foden gamble at 7.5 million instead of Madison. Bruno and Rashford double up interests me quite a lot. And then there's Jesus versus Watkins. Watkins will be in some of my drafts as well. And I think Jesus versus Watkins will be a close call. But I think because it's Arsenal, because they've got good fixtures, because I want an Arsenal triple up, Jesus probably will win that race. And then Kunku will probably have to wait a couple of game weeks. And then my final note is watch Calvert-Lewin closely in pre-season because if he looks good, I will be open to taking a gamble on him game week one as well because it opens a lot of other doors. (laughs) 
Before I answer the questions from Twitter, I just want to give my Patreon a quick plug. If you'd like to hear more from me during pre-season, check out patreon.com forward slash general, where you'll get extra podcasts, live streams, Q&As, and a team reveal before each deadline this season. You can get a Patreon subscription for as little as £2.50 per month. Any support there is much appreciated. Moving on now to the questions. First one is from Irish Outsider. How much are you waiting early season fixtures in your draft? So I would say I'm waiting the pre not preseason, the early season fixtures quite heavily. When I build a game at one squad, we don't really have any information to go on. Yes, we've got last season, but you know it's a long break between seasons. Lots of things change, managers change, new signings and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, teams will be playing with different tactics. It's for me, fixtures is number one, and it's usually number one throughout the season. Fixtures determine most of my picks and most of my transfers. So when you, if you go back through that squad I picked there in my latest draft, you'll probably find a lot of those players have good early fixtures, first four to six game weeks. Um, and a lot of people ask, you know, how far ahead do you look? I, I've always just kind of naturally liked looking at the next four game weeks. Obviously, I'll know what's happening, you know, next eight game weeks, next 12 game weeks, etc. But I think at the start of a season, there's always a decent chance you might wildcard around game week four, game week five. So I don't look too far ahead. So I think mainly first four or five game weeks will be what I'm looking at in terms of fixtures when I'm making those picks. And I do wait early season fixtures very heavily for example very unlikely to have a Newcastle player because their fixtures for four game weeks are not good Mitrovic as well if he's got Arsenal and City in the first four very unlikely to go there question from Paul Goldsmith perhaps something about how to choose between those nailed to start but less likely to haul and those who may not start or only play 60 but who might haul yeah again it's one of those do you go for a 90-minute man who's maybe not as exciting or not projected to score as many points? Or do you go for a rotation risk player who could be explosive? You know, Foden versus Bruno Fernandes, for example. Luke Shaw versus Reese James is another example. And there's probably a few options, you know, a few examples in strikers as well. For me, as you'll know if you've been following me for a while, it's it's all about minutes for me. Um and when it comes down to it, I always just think if you've got a player, if you think if you've got a player who, who you know is going to get ninety minutes, like a Bruno Fernandez, and if you've got a Foden, and if you don't know he's, if he's going to get twenty minutes or seventy minutes or ninety minutes, I always just think your players have to be on the pitch to get your points. You know, Foden is not going to score you any FPL points if he's sitting beside Pep on the sideline. So I will always lean towards. In most cases, I will lean towards the safe guys. I've said Steady Eddie a few times in this podcast, but to me, a Steady Eddie is a 90-minute man who starts the majority of games, who you know doesn't have too much rotation risk. So it's always a tough balance, especially, I think, with Manchester City midfielders because we know we're in, when we're on the pitch, you know, players like Mares can get you 15 pointers in any given game week, but it's extremely frustrating in the weeks where he, he's on the bench. Um you know, Reese James, we might see his minutes managed this season. He said he said himself previously he needs to be careful. He needs to let his managers know when he needs to rest. Yes, he's great when he's on the pitch, but if you're going to get, you know, four starts out of five for Reese James, and if you're going to get five starts out of five from Luke Shaw, 
I'm always going to go for the guy who gets more starts or who I think is going to get more starts, even if I think Rhys James is a better, you know, attacking prospect in FPL. So for me, the kind of slow, steady, boring approach works. Maybe it's not the most exciting, but I just hate weekends sweating over team sheets. You know, I hate looking at the City team sheet. I hate looking at the Chelsea team sheet and, and seasons gone by. You know, FPL is frustrating enough. I like to get my players on the pitch. And then, you know, whatever happens after that, I don't really mind too much. Question from FPL Prem Tipster. Would you prefer Trent's or another 8 million midfielder? Good question. Uh, obviously, if you take Trent out, you can spend more in midfield. You could turn a, an Mbumo or a Matoma into a Martinelli, for example, or another 8 million midfielder. At the moment, I love Trent's. Fantastic FPL pick for the last few seasons very exciting player to watch when you're sitting down to watch a Liverpool game and I do like kind of the price point of starting with the most expensive defender because then I can go anywhere from Trent if it doesn't work out or he's not proven to be good value you know let's say Reese James does start the season well you know it's quite an easy switch from Trent to James and then I could get you know an extra expensive midfielder so at the moment my answer is no I prefer Trent rather than an extra 8 million midfielder. But again, I haven't made a draft without Trent yet. And maybe when I do so, my answer to that might be different. I'm kind of afraid to make a Trentless draft because I know I'm probably going to like it. Question from Mark Cram. Risk of Is a risk of rotation in the Arsenal defence? Gabriel seems to be a popular pick, but with the signing of Timber, who mostly played centre-back last season, there's at least four players vying for two centre-back spots. You've got Gabriel, Saliba, Timber and Kiwior. Uh, maybe Zinchenko is more nailed after all. So Mark's suggesting maybe maybe Zinchenko is the player we should be going for from the Arsenal defence. Uh, and again, I would like to see Tierney leave. If that does happen, I will I might gravitate towards Zinchenko instead. Um, Gabriel, I know a lot of Arsenal fans, I've seen a few Arsenal fans in the past kind of moaning a bit about Gabriel and thinking maybe he's not as good as us FPL managers think. Maybe someone like a Timber could threaten his position in the team. I don't think Saliba is a risk. I think he's probably the best centre-back there. Uh, and Kibior came in last season. But again, I don't see him getting a huge amount of starts. I see him kind of being a support act to the others. Timber, very highly rated player. Not going to pretend I know too much about him, but you know, from using other fantasy platforms and stuff like that, he comes out very highly in terms of his performances and his underlying numbers. So Timber will be a very good signing for Arsenal. And it remains to be seen, you know, how he Im- impacts the centre backs. Could he even impact Ben White at right back. We don't really know yet. So I think on current information, I think Gabriel's fine. I think it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. Or if you prefer Saliba, I think you go there. Uh, Saliba's you know, back issues from last season does put me off. So I would go Gabriel at the moment. I don't think it's a concern. But again, Zinchenko, if Zinchenko's getting decent minutes pre-season, if there's no niggling injury issues from last season, he could end up being the best pick from the Arsenal defence. So I think you go Gabriel or you go Zinchenko. And then you just reassess it after a couple of weeks. Question from Paddy, FPL Viking. I know it's not the most exciting question, but it's doing my head in a little bit. Rashford versus Bruno. Bruno's got penalties, etc. And it may not play deep ever again with Mount signed. He's only 8.5. Rashford's 9, but does he have it in him again to do what he did last season? So yeah, kind of covered this already. I slightly favour Rashford if I can find the 0.5. But I think Bruno Fernandes is an absolutely fine pick if you can't afford Rashford. And again, I think the answer to the question might be just get both of them because then you can't get the wrong one. Um, 
we've got plenty of spots in midfield. United have good fixtures. You could go both of them. And then after three or four game weeks when the fixtures get a little bit trickier, you can jump off whichever one is not performing as well as the other and then jump you know, jump to someone else whose fixtures are turning. So Rashford, if you're only going for one, but I think both might be where I end up. Question from James Bailey. Who are the best 4.5 million midfielders and 4.5 million forwards? And how much of a difference does it make to your team if you pick the wrong ones? Um, basically, this season, right now, with four weeks to go until game week one, we don't really have a good 4.5 million midfielder. Um, you know, We had Pereira last season. We've had Todd Cantwell in the past. We've had George Boyd way back in the day. Um, also, 4.5 million forwards, we don't have a good one either. Um, there's nobody really putting their hand up just yet. We need to kind of get a few preseason games, and then hopefully somebody will emerge. Uh, even the forward, just somebody who's going to get minutes off the bench most weeks. Uh, and a 4.5 million midfielder, you're not really expecting much from them. Um, again, because there's no standout 4.5 million midfielder, it's another reason why I like having five midfielders this season. Um, and you know the cheapest one being 6.5 because there's not much under 6.5 that I like. Or the ones I do like, I've got concerns over. In Cecil, for example, minutes, Andres Pereira's come back from injury. So I like a 3-5-2 formation um, more so because there's no decent 4.5 million midfielders. So I think the short answer here is there isn't a best 4.5 million midfielder or forward yet. Come back to me on that question closer to the season and hopefully there'll be something that we can choose. Question from Kenneth Andre Sorensen. Can you rank the Brighton midfielders? Kenneth at the moment, Scott Matoma and Inciso in his team. So a very quick ranking because I know I'm pushing on for time here. Matoma's my preference. I'd probably put Solly March number two. He's been fantastic last year or two for Brighton. Pascal Gross number three for the set pieces. I've got Inciso fourth. And now that could prove to be wrong. But I do have concerns over his game time. I think there'll be a lot of rotation at Brighton with Europe, especially with, with the younger players. And that's why, you know, Enciso and Ferguson are not on my watch list. Love Ferguson as a player, but got rotation concerns, so I'm probably not going to go there. Question from FPL Crusader. Is Mitrovic being overlooked or does the price increase remove him from the conversation? Again, I think we need to be careful not to completely ignore Mitrovic because of his price because looking at last season, 14 goals in 2,000 minutes. That is an extremely good return. Just 2,000 minutes, 14 goals. Uh, and just for those of you maybe who are new to the game or new to the Premier League, if a player is to play every single game, 90 minutes of every game, they would play 3,420 minutes. So Mitrovic missed about 1,400 minutes of game time, mainly due to that suspension later in the campaign. Scored four penalties and also became the first Premier League player in history to miss four penalties. So remains to be seen whether he'll be allowed to take them this season. The main issue, fixtures. Arsenal and City away in the first four game weeks. I think it's game week three and game week four. But... I think there's every chance I will own Mitrovic at some point in this season. Um, I'm probably a little bit higher on him for game week one than others are. But again, I don't think he's going to force Jesus or Watkins out of my team. Question from Mike Brennan. Considering Haaland is 85% owned, is he a must-own or is there a potential gamble with Kane plus another premium? There's plenty of different ways to play FPL. You can be successful by doing crazy things or things that seem to be a little bit crazy to me not going for Haaland when he scored 36 goals got 9 assists and 40 bonus points last season and you just auto-captain him every week which takes the captaincy decision out of your game 
I think he is a must own. But if you you know again last season Kane only got something like nine points less than Haaland in the end, so there is different strategies you can deploy. You can save your cash in Haaland, go for Kane, and maybe a little bit extra in midfield, and it could match it. It could better it. We just don't know what's going to happen this season. So what I would say is don't pick Haaland because of his ownership. Pick him because you want him and you think he's going to repeat what he did last season and pick him if you think he's an easy captain most weeks, which makes the game a little bit easier and a little bit less frustrating. But if you're strongly considering not going for him and if you want to play that way, don't don't pick him just because everyone else is. Um, be brave if you really want to be different this season. Maybe, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe the person who wins FPL this season doesn't own Haaland. There's so many different ways to play this game. Never be afraid to play it your way. I think that's my best advice. Just a couple of more questions. One from Bass Belfi. Bass said, I made a first draft, but I now plan to leave it for a few weeks and only go back to it like a week before the start of the season. Last year, I spent too much time on it, thinking about it all summer. Which approach do you recommend to take? I'm very much, you know, I'm an FPL content creator. If I wasn't an FPL content creator, I would not be making my first draft until August. I wouldn't even log into the FPL website until August. But... I need to pay some bills, I need to make some content, so I'm kind of forced to go in there, do a little bit of tinkering, but I don't do too much. You know, I see I see some people on social media posting a team every single day. They're going to be burnt out by the time the season begins, and my money would be on them not having a fantastic FPL season because they're going to have every single player on their team at some point this summer, and there'll be huge frustration the first couple of game weeks when some of those players perform and they don't own them, and they'll end up making you know poor decisions off the back of that. So my advice pre-season, stay away from the FPL website as much as you can. If you've still got an auto-pick team, leave it as an auto-pick team. Come back to it in August. There's loads and loads of time. It's pointless tinkering every day or even every couple of days at the moment because things are going to change. You know We don't know which goalkeepers to go for. Harry Kane could leave. Someone could get injured. Hallander Salah could pick up an injury pre-season. We just don't know what is going to happen. So, yes, by all means, make a draft or two, but stay away from it until August as, as much as you can. Question from Mark Ayers. Considering a bench boost for Game Week 1 to get it out of the way and focus on the strongest 11 for the rest of the season, have you ever used this tactic and what are your thoughts on it generally for this coming season in particular? I have considered it a few times, but I've never actually gone through with it. I think when it comes down to bench boost game week one, I can see the logic because the bench boost chip kind of holds you hostage later in the season. You're forced to buy bench players rather than players for your starting 11. I do like the idea of getting rid of it early, but I feel like game week one is slightly too early because you've got no information to go on. You could pick a 15-player squad for your bench boost game week one that you absolutely think every player will start. And chances are one or two of them won't because you just don't know what managers are going to do in the first game of the season, particularly new managers at new teams. So I can see the logic. I wouldn't stop anyone from doing it because it's nice to be free of the bench boost for the rest of the season. You can leave your money on the pitch for you know 37 game weeks after that. But for me, it's the lack of information that always puts me off, gives me pause and forces me to keep it for later in the season. But good luck, Mark, if you do go for it, and I'll be very keen to hear how it works out. So make sure you send me a little message if you go ahead with it. I'm going to leave it there for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, folks. I hope it whets the appetite. I'm going to say happy tinkering, but also don't do too much tinkering. Enjoy your enjoy your stress-free weekends while you've still got them, because you know the Red Arrows will probably be here soon, as much as we hope they're not. 
Have a good one, folks, and I'll talk to you all again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.